Well, anyways, welcome to H2O. Uh, my name is Joe, one of the pastors here. If you're new or checking us out for the first time, that is my daughter, too. Uh, and we just want to say welcome. Really happy that you're joining us today. And uh, before we dive in to today's sermon, um, I wanted to take a moment and just highlight something that's really cool for our church. We're taking a, a big step as a church. And uh, this past week, if, if you have been with us for the last year or even with us this summer, this won't be a surprise for you. But since most of us are new, this might be a little bit of a surprise for you. But we have received a building. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, so uh, it's the formerly known as the First Baptist Church. It's right across the street from Avalanche Pizza. So, um, yeah, we're really excited for this, and it's been a long, long story, uh, but I, I can give some of the highlights of this story, really of God's faithfulness. Um, again, long story short, uh, when we first moved here last year, we were meeting different pastors and people in the area, and we met uh, the First Baptist Church, and specifically uh, the pastor, Jim, and his wife, Jean, who really became, I would say, to, to me personally, an extended family to us here in Athens. And they have just been so lovely and awesome in every way. And as we were getting to know them, and we were sharing with them our mission to reach the campus and the community in Athens long term, um, they were really encouraged by that. And they have been serving in Athens for the last 15 years. They've been in ministry for many, many years. Uh, but they began sharing with us that they were planning on retiring and moving back with their family to the Cleveland area. And they started to have conversations with members of their church about what it would look like to join us and to um, donate the building to us. And so earlier this year, their members voted and they said, hey, we want to give this building to H2O. And we, we were really excited about that. And this summer we were meeting there. And it was, again, a long process to finalize all the details. There's a lot of legal stuff, which I don't want to bore you with this morning, but it was, it, was, it was great. This past week, we were able to finally sign and close on having our own building. And so, yeah, really pumped for that. And so the plan is, uh, we're still meeting here on Sundays, obviously. That is the plan uh, going forward into the future. But this, we'll use this building primarily for uh, staff meetings, for Bible studies, for events like our baptism services and parties and different things like that. Um, and long term, we would love to have a community side of our church. And we think this could be a great opportunity to really bless the community in Athens, even for more stuff than just church, that we could open the space to perhaps be a blessing to the community in Athens as well. So yeah, very excited about that. And so what I would say is just be praying for us, be praying for wisdom, be praying that this building would be a blessing and not a burden, and that it would really be a blessing to the community. And so again, before diving in to the message, let's spend a minute just praying and just praising God for the things he's done. So Lord, thank you for the chance to just have this opportunity to have this building. Um, God, not many church plants get to start in their second year with receiving a property like this. And so we're really excited for that. We pray it would be used to honor you, God, that lives would be changed in this building, that as we meet there and as we um, continue to utilize the space, that we would just, again, sense your presence and, and just see your glory shine here, not just for us, but really the community in Athens, Lord. And so we thank you, Lord, for this just mission that you've called us to, to reach both the campus and the community in Athens. And God, we just pray again for your favor over us. And so we pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, well, we can move on from that. We are starting week two of our series, looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Again, I said this last week, this is one of Jesus' most famous sermons in all of the Gospels. And the goal of this series is to help us 
grow as disciples of Jesus. And the focus that Jesus is, is focused on in this sermon that he gave was on our hearts and kingdom living, how we are as Christians to live in the kingdom of God, because that is what a disciple of Jesus is focused on. And I said this last week, but being a disciple of Jesus is something all Christians should strive for. This should be the focus of our hearts. Another word for discipleship is learner or apprentice, that we are learning from Jesus, our master and savior. And so when we are going through the, these teachings on the Sermon on the Mount, we're, we're, we're learning from at the feet of Jesus. And last week, we kicked off our series looking at the Beatitudes, and, and we, we looked at how Jesus really answered the question, how can we live the blessed life? Well, this week, Jesus will shift his focus a little bit, but building off of what we talked about last week, he'll talk about what is the role of Christians in our world today. And so, in other words, how should we as Christians live in our world? You know, there's a number of misconceptions on what it means to be a Christian in our world and how active we are to be. I remember when I was uh, serving in the Air Force, you would meet many different people from many different backgrounds, and I met uh, a friend who was ended up becoming a very good friend of mine. And when he first met me and he found out I was a Christian, he was a little bit taken aback by this. And his impression of Christians were people who were judgmental, overly political, and hypocritical. And when I got to share with him what Christians actually believe and, and how Jesus has changed my life, I remember he was just so struck by that. And, and he it was in a moment where he was like, man, I don't know if I believe that, but man, something's different about you. Something's different about the way you live. Again, he was very taken aback when he actually heard what Christians actually believe and how we try to live. And I share that, I share the view of my friend because I think that's very common when you talk to people on the street about what they believe about Christians. There was this uh, popular book that came out in 2007. It was called Unchristian. And it was, it was a study that was done by people who looked at um, people who were not Christians and asked them just simple questions about what they believe about Christianity. And one of the questions they asked was, what comes to mind when you hear the word Christian? And unfortunately, many of the responses uh, weren't that great. A, a lot of them were a lot of the things my friend believed, that Christians are too political, judgmental, hypocrites. And a lot of these things, I think, can be considered slander and, and, and at times ignorance, like my friend was in, uh, but I think we can't deny that there is some hints of truth to this, that unfortunately that th there have been many who have claimed the name of Christ who have not acted in a way that reflects Christ. And I know many people who've been, you know, maybe hurt by people who said they were Christians or, or been hurt by this, and we just want to say, if you're here, this is a place that we hope is welcoming for you and that you can feel like you can experience and learn about Jesus in a way that hopefully encourages you and at that same time challenges you as well. We believe that love and truth aren't exclusive to one another, but that they work in tandem with one another. That if you really love somebody, you're also going to speak words of truth, right? If you believe somebody is on a path of destruction, let's say for an example, an extreme example, if you had a friend who was an extreme alcoholic and you saw that their life was just falling apart, that their relationships were falling apart, you would do anything you can if you really love them to speak truth into their lives. And so again, we, we want to be a church that models this. 
And what's great, amazing about this is this is how Jesus did his ministry, that he was both inviting and challenging. He invited people into his life that society would have considered marginalized or outcast and not, not people that he should have been reaching out to. But he did that, but also he spoke truth. And this is how we want to operate, because we believe the message of Jesus is life-transforming, that he can change our lives, that he was raised from the dead, and that if his message is true, that he has a message that we can believe and respond to, that if Jesus is Son of God, if he made you, then he knows you better than you know yourself. And if that's true, then we can turn to him and trust what he has to say to us. And so what we're going to see today is Jesus begins to lay out how Christians are to live in our world. He's going to use two two illustrations. He's going to say that Christians are two things, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So he's going to call Christians to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5. If you want to turn there, and uh, each week we're going to be asking different members of our church to do the reading this week. And so um, I asked Diane Dubois to read the passage for us. So it's Matthew chapter 5. You want to make your way forward, Diane? Thank you. And uh, yeah, give up for Diane. Great. So we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open that up, or you can, there's a Bible around you somewhere, I'm sure, or you can follow along on the screen. And Diane, take it away. Right. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to God the Father who is in heaven. Yeah, give it for Diane. Great job. Okay, so Jesus starts with sharing that uh, we as Christians are the salt of the earth. And so verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. And when... You think about this, why would Jesus say this? Why would Jesus say that we as Christians are salt? Well, think about it for a second. When you think of salt, what are some of the things that come to your mind? I I think the first thing you would say is taste, right? Flavor. And and salt improves the taste of food. Have you ever had fries without salt? It's an abomination. (laughs) It's evil. This, we, we, just as uh, salt helps make food better, what Jesus is alluding to is that we as Christians need to help make our world better. This should be our focus. This should be our desire is to make our world better. Building off of that, salt purifies. Salt purifies wounds. If you have a wound and you stick it in salt water, salt water sorry, uh, it, it cleans and purifies the wound. In addition to that, salt, and this is, this is something that's not as known, but salt is actually a preservative. Have you ever wondered how they preserve food before refrigerators? They use salt. And so if you were a merchant or a fisherman and you wanted to um, preserve the food that you had gathered together, the only way to do it was to put it in salt. And actually, you can keep food fresh up to two weeks with salt. I watched a couple YouTube videos on this where they tested on this, so if you're interested in that, check that out. Or if you want to do that yourself, I don't know if you're kind of a crazy person that likes to do those kind of experiments, but, um, but yeah, you, get to, you would see that 
salt is a great purifier of food. And if you just left food on your counter, not in the fridge or not with salt, it would go rotten, right? It would stink. It would smell. And so what Jesus is saying here is that we, as Christians, are a preservative to our world. That if you took Christians out of the world, the world would go rotten. Just like food would go rotten, we, as Christians, need to be a preservative for the world to prevent it from going rotten. And so some of the implications of this is this, that we need to help make the world a better place. In addition to that, we need to be pure. We need to make our world, our community, our neighborhoods, our classes, our dorms, our friendships better. And I think at times we have to ask ourselves this hard question. If you were taken out of those places, if you were taken out of your friend groups, your family, whatever, would, would that environment be better, worse, or indifferent? Jesus is calling us to help make the world better. I, I think often about I, one of my favorite Christmas movies is It's a Wonderful Life. Great, great Christ, Christmas movie. And um, what I love about that movie is it shows the average man and George Bailey and how he, he just lives his life. And at times he hates his life to, at the point near the end of the movie, he wants to end his life. And then he meets this angel who shows him a world and how it would look if he had never been born. And it, it's such a special movie because he gets to see how horrible his town is and how awful uh, the, the places that he was in would be without him. And it just shows that, wow, you live a wonderful life. And I think, you know, that's an extreme example, let's say, but I think for us as Christians, we should be that type of people where we should have a wonderful life, that we make our world a better place. That's so important. And that's a calling that we need to be pure before God. Jesus gives a warning, though, in verse, at the end of verse 13 about uh, those of us that aren't active in our world. He says, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet. So Jesus is saying here that if we lose our saltiness, our purity... Unfortunately, just like salt is no longer good for anything, we are not able to be the influencers that Jesus has called us to be. You know, one of the biggest knocks on Christians, like I shared about before, is hypocrisy. And oftentimes people uh, see Christians as no different than themselves. They, they gossip just as much. They party just as hard. They, they treat their boyfriend or girlfriend the exact same. And, and there's nothing about them that's any different other than the fact that they say, I'm a Christian. And the question with this is this, are we seeking to influence our world, or are we letting the world influence us? And if I can be honest about this for a second, this is our culture here in Athens, right? This is OU's culture. And I've known this even before coming here, that I've known people that have gone to school here that have been Christians, and they talk about how the culture here just sucks you in. And I think it has something to do with the fact that we're in the middle of nowhere, we're in the mountains, I don't know, and there's just like this trap that there's like this pressure on you that, hey, if you don't come out with us, you're like a loser. You're not, you're, not, you're not one of us if you don't party as hard as we do. And I'm not telling you you have to sit at home on a Friday night, read a book, and you know, play board games. I mean, the cold pickies will have you over, and they'll love that. Uh, <laughs> 
But if you can't have fun without indulging in things you know are wrong, that's a problem. We have to be a people that are above that. And there's, there's ways to enjoy life and have fun ref, with friends that don't include those things. And the reason I share that is because I was with you. If you're in this space, I was there with you. When I first came to college and I, I went to BG, and BG may not be on the same level of OU, but it definitely is a party school too. And I got sucked up into the party scene my first year. And I was somebody that grew up in the church, and I could just turn it on. If I went to church, I could speak one way. And if I was with my non-Christian friends, I could speak another way. And it was all just about trying to you know, fit in the crowd rather than stand out. And I remember I met this guy, Rob, who began teaching me about the way of Jesus. And in our conversations, I said to him, you know, Rob, it's interesting. We as human beings around certain groups of people can morph and, and try to fit in um, and almost put masks on to fit on in any situation. And Rob said something to me that radically changed my life. He said, well, you know, Joe, I don't know if that's true, because if we're followers of Christ, we need to be the same around everybody, where your life should reflect Jesus in every area of your life. And I was like, oh, man, <laughs> that really hit me hard. And, and so hard that it, that it broke me down. And I, I remember in that moment just confessing to Jesus my sin and my need for him and my need to represent him well in every area of my life. And, and by no means have I been perfect at this. It's still you know, something that I continue to struggle with or to continue to work towards but I'm seeking to trust Jesus. I'm seeking to trust him in that space. And if you've been in that spot where, man, you realize, man, I haven't been salt. Man, Jesus can give you all the salt and purity you need. He can fill you. He can help you. Because ultimately, we, we don't get it from ourselves. We get it from him. And so we should seek to turn to him and trust him in that space. And again, are we seeking to be influencers of the world, or are we letting the world influence us? We need to continue to turn to Christ and trust him. So Jesus starts there and says, you know, for us as Christians, we need to be the salt of the earth. He builds upon that and says that we're, we as Christians are to be the light of the world. So verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Pause there. So Jesus says that we're to be the light of the world. And the reason for this is because light shines, right? Light shines in the darkness, just like a city on a hill cannot be hidden. You know, when the, the Puritans were first coming to America and they were on their boats, they read this passage. And, and they, again, they were just a small group, but they prayed and said, hey, we want to be a people that looks like this, that we're a city on a hill that people would see our love for God and love for each other, and, and they would see the light of Jesus. That's the hope for us as a church, that people would know you and hear about you and say, oh, you're part of H2O, right? You're a Christian? And they would see the light of Jesus shining through you and know there's something different about you. Light travels, right? And, and any place you go, it spreads. You know, there's actually no dark Darkness is measured by the amount of light in a space. We're called to lead people out of that darkness. If the world's a dark place, we as Christians are the ones carrying the torch of the message of Jesus 
And so if that's true, we have to share the gospel. We have to share what Jesus has done in our lives and let it continue to fill a dark world. Jesus gives warnings, too, for those of us that don't let our light shine. Verse 15 says, uh, Nor do I let a lamp put under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And so what Jesus is saying here is this. It would be silly, right, if you turn on your light and you put a blanket over it or put a basket over it, right? That would be useless. And so in the same way, we as Christians need to shine our light and not hide. You know, I oftentimes hear people say this, that um, my faith is a private matter. Yes, I believe in God, but, but people don't need to know that. I'm not trying to, you know, wear my faith on my sleeve. If people ask me about it, sure, I'll tell them, but I won't go out of my way. That's putting your light under a basket. You know, I, I had someone once share with me that our faith is personal, but never private. Our faith is personal, but never private. It should be something we share. Because if we believe it's, it's transforming, if this message of the gospel can transform people's hearts, then we have to share because it has so changed and affected us. You know, I often think about this story uh, that Penn Jillette, the magician, shared. Um, and if you don't know this story, it came out about 10 years ago or so, and Penn uh, made this Facebook video, and he shared about his interaction with somebody who was a Christian after one of his shows. And if you don't know, Penn is a uh, very staunch atheist. Um, he doesn't believe in Christianity. But this uh, interaction with this Christian that he met after one of his shows so affected him that he felt like he needed to make this video uh, to explain it. And it was before TikTok, so it was like a very big deal. So and now everyone's doing it. But back then, it was really cool. Um, and so he shared, uh, again, how even though he doesn't believe in Christianity, he, he met this guy. And this guy just shared with him that he was a follower of Jesus and shared a little bit of his story and gave him a Bible. And Penn was so taken aback by this and said, man, this guy just showed me so much love. And he said, you know, I think it's silly that Christians don't share their faith and the things they believe, even as an atheist. And he said, hey, if Christians really believe in eternity and really believe that Jesus can forgive sins and really believe in, in that message, and he, his words were, man, how much would you have to hate somebody to not tell them that message? And he, he compared it to if, if you knew a car was going to come hit me or a train was going to hit me, how much would you have to not care for somebody to tell them, hey, look out? And, and so why that story is so important, it's, is it, it's a reminder of if we believe in the power of the gospel, we have to share. We have to share this message. And ultimately, that's on people and how they're going to respond. But we have to trust in God's power to change people, not just our persuasion, not just our words. You know, I think oftentimes we, we don't share because of fear or just, or just because it's just easier not to. We are called to do this. We're called to spread this light to others. You know, another thing I was thinking about lately when it comes to light, especially, um, you know, in the last few years, you hear constant stories of pastors and ministry leaders who fall into sin. Um, and it's really discouraging. And, and this, this should not be the way it is. And the reason that usually happens is because of secret sin, because of darkness. And what does light do? It brings light to places. It exposes things. 
And unfortunately, you hear about, you know, pastors who fall into adultery, embezzling money, abuse, you, you name it. And it's because they're not letting the full light of Jesus in their lives. We need to have people in our lives that fully know us for who we are. And I'm not saying put all your dirty laundry on your front lawn or post on Facebook about every little thing you've ever done in your life. I'm not saying that, but you should have a couple people that know you, that can speak into your life, that, that can speak the love of Jesus to you. You know, for me, I have my wife and I have a, a lot of guys in my life, many of them who are on staff, who know me, who I let into my life, who, who I, I confess sin to, and who speak words of truth to me. You need to have people in your life that are doing this, that are speaking the love of Jesus to you. And, and there is no place for hidden secret sin. We have to bring that to light, bring it to Jesus, and then have people in our life who can walk with us in that journey. Verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so as, as the light shines within us and, and out of us, man, people will see that. People will see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. What's amazing about this is the light of God doesn't come from within us, but it comes from him. Just as the moon reflects the light of the sun to the world, we as Christians reflect Jesus' light to our world. We reflect it and point people to him. This is the call of Christians, to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. This is our mission, that we would help people see Jesus, and that through our lives, they would see the love of God for them. Now, you might be listening to this today and, and feel challenged. That's a good thing. Hopefully, you feel that. But hopefully, too, you feel the love of Jesus through this, to know that you're not alone. If this has been hard for you, welcome to the club. This, this, is, this is a hard thing. No one here is perfect. But we want to do our best just to love Jesus so well and to trust that he will allow his saltiness to fill us and he will allow his light to shine and reflect off of us and that people would see and meet Jesus. And so today, man, the hope would be that we, we would respond to this that we respond to this message, and maybe it's talking to somebody who's a friend to you here about this and say, man, here's a little bit more of my story. Or maybe it's taking time this week to just pray and ask God, Lord, help me with this, and, and to turn to him. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And we, we pray that we would be a church that would model this well, that, again, when people would see us and hear us, they would see us on this campus and say, wow, they really love people wow, we really see Jesus in them. And that's the hope today, that we would be a church that continues to reflect that and grow as disciples of him as we seek to love this campus and the community. And so with that, um, let's pray, and we'll get into our final um, part of worship. And so, Lord, thank you for this message of the gospel. Thank you for the truth of knowing you, Lord. Lord, I pray that this would be a message that would change our hearts and that we would turn to you Thank you, Jesus, that you even work more powerfully in our weakness, that we don't have to have our lives all together before coming to you. We can just come and follow you, and that's the first step. And we trust that, Lord, you can change us from the inside out. Lord, we love you. 
And we thank you for the chance to come together today to worship you, to hear from your word. And again, we pray that throughout this series, we would learn to look more and more like you. Thank you for leading us here, Jesus. Thank you for your story and allowing us to be a part of that story. So we love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.